talk to you today about the privileges of sonship. We've, uh, this is week number three. And we have talked about just us as believers. We have talked about how sonship affects our, our walk, our relationship with each other as brother and sister in Christ. And today we have to take that message personally, how we're connected inside of the body of Christ, and then ultimately how we can take this message to the world. Amen? Amen. So let's go to Romans chapter 8. Verse 19, and this is the Amplified Classic, and it says, uh, it says this, For even the whole creation, all of nature, waits expectantly and longs earnestly for God's sons to be made known, and waits for the revealing and the disclosing of their sonship. And, uh, you know, I'm like, Lord, all right, I like it. I like it. You know, we've been speaking about this because we, we have to reach the world. I mean, we talked about this a little bit last week. And everything is, uh, you know, preaching to the choir is great, but the whole point is to not preach to the choir. The whole point is to get it beyond the choir, beyond the doors of the church, beyond the pews, and out into the world. Because clearly, like we see here in Romans, we have to start impacting the world at some point. So we talked about sonship so that we can get to this point where we can actually take all that knowledge, wield it, and get out into the world and start really setting this world on fire. So we have to reach the world, influence the world, shape the world, and as a body of believers, we are falling short. I mean, that's not just my opinion, you can see it. If you look outside, you can see it. And we have to get on our job. And we're, we're not there yet because as believers, um, it's not that we don't love the world or we don't want to do God's will. We, um, we have a birthright issue. And uh, it's very territorial. And it's, um, it's hard to talk about. Because nobody wants to think they're doing something wrong or that they're holding anything back. But as believers, we, we have a birthright issue. So uh, we'll dig into that a little bit. A little bit. Let's go to John chapter 3, verse 34. So John chapter 3, verse 34 in the Message Bible. That's where I'm at, or at least that's where I'll be. It says, the one that God sent speaks God's word. And don't think that he rations out the spirit in bits and pieces. The father loves the son extravagantly, and he turned everything over to him so he could give it away, a lavish distribution of gifts. That is why whoever accepts and trusts the Son gets in on everything, life complete and forever. Yes. And I'm like, okay. All right, so, you know, you sent your Son, and he speaks your word. So that me, as an heir, can receive extravagantly everything that you have for me. And that I can get in on everything that God has to offer. A complete life, not just in the sweet and by and by, but right here, right now. And it's important, like you hear that and you get excited, right? Now, sometimes we hear this message, you know, about, you know, the prosperity gospel is wonderful and we, we all want to be healed and we want all those things. And we hear that message and we hoard that message as if it's just uniquely for you. And that's really the reason why I said we have a birthright issue. Because uh, some of us are Esau and some of us are Jacob. 
So I'm going to take your deafening silence as uh, acceptance. Um, and if not, that's okay, because uh, that doesn't really bother me. So we are heirs and sons of God. And we get it all, everything, top to bottom. But some of us don't understand the original premise of being an heir. We inherit so we can pass along the inheritance to everyone else. Sometimes we think of sonship as a tool of accumulation and not distribution. And the world is dying because of it. Yes, we are heirs and all heirs inherit. But what kind of father would he be if he had an inheritance for me and I squandered that inheritance and didn't pass it on to them? Right. right. It's true. That makes me a terrible dad if I don't pass along that inheritance that was given to me. Right. And the thing here is that the Bible clearly states that we all can be sons. Yes. So we all should be able to inherit that we as good stewards should be able to distribute God's word yes. everywhere. Yes. And every time I say that word, I fumble it. Distribute. <laughs> yeah, it's all right. I'm, I'm okay with that too. But I think that this is where, this is where our hangup is. Because you, if you ever notice like folks will come to church and will get upset if somebody else gets blessed. Folks will come to church and get upset when somebody else has a new ride or the new house, or their praise report sets the place on fire, yes. but you're still like, man, I can't believe that. That's because true. we have a birthright problem. Yes, that's right. <laughs> because we still have an Old Testament view of what a birthright is, yes. as yes. opposed to a New Testament view of what your birthright truly is. Right. You went from birthright to sonship. It's great, yes. but the birthright was, was limited. Yes. It was limited. It That's couldn't right. do all that it was supposed to do. Mm -hmm. That's why we had to come up with a better plan. Yes. But some of us are still holding and adhering to that old way of thinking. Right. Like, this is just for me, and I'm going to hoard this, and I'm going to bury this in the ground so no one else can get it. I said, but that's not what it's for. That's right. Like, right here, it says, I want everybody to get in on this. Yes. Everybody should be able to have this life. That's right. And make sure that you do the right thing so that you can receive too, right? Mm -hmm. Let's go to John chapter 4. John 4, 34, interesting. And I'm in the NIV right here. Went, oh, went right past it. Jesus says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Hmm. His nourishment is doing the will of God. So, so as believers, our nourishment, our sustenance, our support, everything that we are should come from doing the will of God. Right. And not just at one point in time, but consistently so that we can finish his work. Right. So when we talk about a birthright issue, our true calling is for us to do the will of God so that his will can be brought to fruition and completion. That's right. That's right. He didn't say, I'm going to bless you to store it up said, I'm going to bless you so that you can be a blessing to someone else. That's right. That's right. Blessed to be a blessing. Yes. Not blessed to accumulate. No. 
Best to be a blessing. Blessed to give away. Blessed to bless someone else. That's right. That's right. Yes. He's like, so Lord, if that's your case, then then, all right, then, then tell me where I need to go. So remember, we're instructed to live like our older brother, to do what he does. Clearly, we can see what he does right here and say, well, you know, all right, Lord, let's finish his work. But what's that work? What is the work that we have to finish? Well, Matthew 28. And media, I didn't give you that one, so I apologize for that. Matthew chapter 28, verse 16 through 20. It's the Great Commission, right? It said, 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mount where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. That's another message for another time. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on this earth has been given to me. Therefore, go out and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of age. He said, This is the work that we should be doing. It's taking this word that we've heard, and it should prick your heart so that it should impact you first impact the church in which you live in and then in the community in which you spend your time in. He said, I want this message to get out to everyone. But we still continue to have birthright issues. Because the church as a body has birthright issues, that's why we have church hurt. Because of our warped sense of what we owe or what's owed to us. Perfect. I mean, it's great that you've been blessed, that you've been sanctified, you Holy Ghost filled and fire baptized, you got Jesus on your side. That's fantastic. That's good. And it is fantastic that you've caught the revelation faster than somebody else. But that doesn't make you superior. That just means you learn the lesson faster. And what happens because of that birthright mentality, we feel superior. So when folks come in through the doors and they haven't quite caught the revelation, we look down upon them because they haven't learned the way that you learned. Well, I am holier than thou. Look at you. You know, and you can't help it. I mean, it's not really your fault. You've been taught that way. You've been taught that way. And I'll tell you why. Let's go to Deuteronomy, chapter 21. Man, and it's quiet. Deuteronomy 21. And we're going to go 18 to 21. And this is the NIV version. And I have to uh, thank the executive pastor for pointing this out to me. said, if someone has a stubborn and rebellious son who does not obey his father and mother and will not listen to them when they discipline him, his father and mother shall take hold of him and bring him to the elders at the gate of his town. And they shall say to the elders, this son of ours is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey us. He is a glutton and a drunkard. Then all of the men of his town are to stone him to death. 
you must purge the evil from among you, and all Israel will hear of it and be afraid. As believers today, we take our birthright and we use them as stones. So when people walk into the church, and it's okay because you know what? Not everybody knows what to do. They had sense enough to know that this is where I need to be. So help me figure it out. And we have taken this superiority complex of our birthright because I got to the finish line first. I'm now bludgeoning you and stone you to death because you haven't learned at the pace that I did. Because my experience is different from yours. It's just different. It's not better or the other. It's just different. And this is how we were taught to deal with rebellion. Because technically speaking, if you don't follow Christ, you're rebellious. If you don't listen to the, to the you know, and obey the word of God, you're technically rebellious. So theoretically speaking, if I don't listen to the word of God, and I don't heed that call when it's given, you could technically stone me. Because that's what you do with rebellious kids, right? We don't coach them, we don't train them, we don't teach them, we kill them. Unbelievers come into the house and they are seeking what we have. They are seeking the light that is inside of you. They are seeking God's provision. They just don't know that. They just don't know what it's called. And instead of teaching them how, we stone them to death, being righteous as we do it. And that's the reason why church houses today are not full. That is the reason why today people will run away from God. That is the reason why people don't actually believe Christians any longer. Because we as Christians, when it should be believers, aren't very Christ-like. So now it's a heavy topic, but we have to understand what we're trying to do is that we have to bury the birthright issue. Because it doesn't matter any longer. Because sonship is what we're after. As as a birthright issue, my brother and I, it puts us at odds with each other. Because I'm clearly better. (laughs) I was waiting for him to look. There it is. (laughs) He tells everybody that he's cuter, but, you know, we can argue that one. But if this were biblical times... My father would split up his inheritance into thirds, and I get double portion because I'm first. And he gets the short end of the stick because he came in second. How is that fair? It isn't. No, it's not. It's not. I mean, so even God himself knew that the system was broken. He's like, yeah, this might not really work out the way I wanted it to. Let's go back and fix it. So let's go real fast. St. Luke. St. Luke, chapter 15. And let's do Message Bible. St. Luke, chapter 15. We're going to go verse 11. And we're going to spend the rest of my 11 minutes going from Luke 15, 11, all the way down to 32. 
And look, alas, we have finally gotten to the prodigal son. Now, we talked about this before, but, uh, you know, let's really get into it. And this is the reason why I didn't want to spoil it from day one. He said, so then he said, there was once a man who had two sons. Then he, we're talking about Jesus, is telling this story. So think about that in connection with everything that we just talked about. So Jesus is telling this story. There once was a man who had two sons. The younger said to his father, Father, I want right now what's coming to me. Give it to me right now. So the father divided the, proper, the property between them. It wasn't long before the younger son packed up his bags and left for a distant country. There, undisciplined and dissipated, he wasted everything he had. And after he had gone through all of his money, there was a bad famine all through that country, and he began to hurt. He signed on with a citizen there who assigned him to his fields to slop the pigs. He was so hungry he could have eaten the corn cobs in the pig slop, but no one would give him that. And that brought him to his senses, he said. All those farmhands working for my father sit down to three meals a day, and I'm here starving to death. I'm going back to my father. I'll say to him, Father, I have sinned against God. I have sinned before you, and I don't deserve to be called your son. Take me on as a hired hand. And he had his plan worked out. So he got up, and he went home. He said, this is my plan. I realize that I messed up, and I'm going to beg for mercy. In fact, I don't even want you to call me son anymore, Dad. Just let me work for you. That was his plan. So think about how, how awful of a position you have to be in when you left with so much vim and vigor, so much gusto, and that you were the man. Give me what's owed to me. And now you're coming home, smelling like dirty animals, starved, crazed, and feeling sorry for yourself. But also humbled. Because he had to learn his lesson. It took him some time to mature, right? Yeah. We talked about maturity a little bit, uh, a little bit ago, right? Yeah. So when he was still a long way off, his father saw him. His heart pounding, he ran out, embraced him, and kissed him. The son started his speech. Father, I've sinned against God. I've sinned before you. I don't deserve to be called your son ever again. And the father interrupts him. Da, 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 da. Right. The father wasn't listening. He was calling to the servants, quick, bring a clean set of clothes and dress him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Then get a grain-fed heifer. I like that part. And roast it. We're going to feast. We're going to have a wonderful time. My son is here. Given up for dead and now alive. Given up for lost and now found. And they began to have a wonderful time. So the father knowing that the son had just messed up royally, yeah. did not care. That's right. So I don't care what you did. Right. You're still my son. And I'm going to celebrate you because you're still my son. That's right. I'm still making a declaration that this is my son. That's right. So it doesn't matter. We're going to take care of you anyway. That's right. Because that's what fathers do. Yes. Fathers cover their children. Yes. No matter how much of a knucklehead they may be, no matter how many cars they wreck, yeah. no matter how, how, many, how, you know, how many mistakes they make, how many poor decisions they make, yeah. how many financial bonds they put them in, how stiff-necked, knuckle-headed, downright disrespectful they are. 
that father still covered that son. Yes. That's right. I'm like, all right. I'm like, Lord, I see, I see where you're going. All this time, his older son was out in the field. The one that did not leave, he was still loyal to dad. When the day's work was done, he came in. He approached the house and he heard music and dancing. What is going on? Calling over to one of the house boys, hey man, what's going on? He's like, uh, your brother came home. Your father has ordered a feast, barbecued beef. My man. He, boy, he knew how to throw down. Because he has him home, safe and sound. The, other, the older brother stalked off in an angry sulk and refused to join in. And his father came out and tried to talk to him, but he wouldn't listen. The son said, look, how many years have I stayed here serving you, never given you one moment of grief? But have you ever thrown a party for me and my friends? Then this son of yours, he didn't even call him brother. This son of yours, who has thrown away your money on whores, shows up, and you go all out with a feast. His father said, son, you don't understand. You're with me all the time, and everything that's mine is yours. But this is a wonderful time, and we had to celebrate. This brother of yours was dead, and he's alive. He was lost, and now he's found. According to the law in Deuteronomy, the moment that son showed his face in town, they should have killed him. And the father, knowing that this rebellious son should be dead, yes. decided to cover his son mm -hmm. so that no one would harm him any That's longer. Right. That's right. Sonship is about redemption. Yes. The older son only cared about birthright, but the father cared about sonship. Mm -hmm. The father cared about covering his boys yes. so that he could still partake in everything. Yes. Because even at this moment, the eldest son is still being rebellious. Yeah. He's like, Dad, I just I stuck with you, mm. and you're going to treat him the same way? It's like, but you're my son. Everything I have is yours, yeah. so it doesn't matter about the birthright. It doesn't matter about the inheritance because there's plenty enough to go around. Yes. So you shouldn't be upset that he came home. That's right. You should be happy because your brother that was lost is now found. Yes. Yes. We didn't yes. stone him with your birthright. That's right. We fed him. Yeah. The, one, the one translation says it was his prized calf. Wow. Like it was the best one that he had. Yeah. Said so we are breaking out the fine china and we That's are throwing right. down. Because my son that was lost, your brother, right. is now found. Yes. And it's an allegory for the body of Christ. Yes. Because there's some folks that are like, hey, listen, I've been here. I've been here serving the Lord all this time. So I should receive more than you because you're out there fooling around. Like, no, 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 I, I, should, be, I should be here, not you. And they push people away. It was at this moment, this eldest son divorced himself from his inheritance, and you don't hear anything else about this young That's man true. anymore. That's right. Whatever happened to him? Because he walked away.
from the inheritance that he actually didn't have to do anything for. Just be a son. Love his brother. Cover him when he made a mistake. Show him love when he messed up. Give him a shoulder to cry on. He said, this is how we have to do it. And the reason why Jesus told this story, because earlier in the chapter, the, you know, the Sadducees and the Pharisees are giving him a hard time about converting with sinners. Yes, yes, yeah. He's like, but this is what I'm supposed to do. That's right. He's like, the new mode of operation, fellas, is forgiveness. Yes. The new mode of operation, fellas, is love. That's right. The new mode of operation is covering a fault. So that we can bring more into the family. That's right. Yes. So if you understand that sonship gets you to the point that you will still receive from God, no matter how many sons are out there, because the inheritance will never run out. Wow. It will never run out. The provision will never run out. His grace will never run out. His covering will never run out. So you should not be. You should not be upset, and it should not anger you when your lost brother comes home. Yeah, that's right. Because the entire point of doing this is to bring all of your lost brothers home. That's, right. yes. that's why it says the entire world is waiting yes. for the manifestation of the sons of God. The father had to cover his son and protect him. He didn't condone what he did, but he also didn't condemn him. All he did was just cover him. He said, because I love you. He said, and our maturity as believers is seen in how we cover others. Hmm. Hmm. The eldest son, the birthright holder, divorced himself from his father. Even though he was older, he wasn't mature. The older son didn't recognize that the relationship with the father was the most important thing. The younger son was maturing because he was coming to himself. And he knew that he just needed to get home. He said, I'm his son, and he's my father. And if I can get to dad, it'll be okay. Sonship is the path to redemption, to wholeness, to inheritance, to receiving all that God has. Understand that today. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you would like to support this ministry, consider giving online. Text keyword RWOLFC to 77977 or through our free app. Search Our Wolf C in the App Store. For more information, visit www.rwolfc.com for articles, blog posts, message references, and our monthly calendar of events.